Good morning, Gateway Church. We are a pursuing family after God's heart. There's no greater journey or destiny than God. And that is so very, very true. We started a new series last Sunday in the Old Testament book of Nehemiah. It's easy to find in your Bibles. Here's how you do it. It's very easy. Now, if you've if you got an electronic device, it's just cheating because you don't have to learn this stuff anymore. If you have, you have an old-fashioned Bible, you just go to the book of Psalms right in the middle, all right? Right in the, the middle of your Bible, you go to Psalms, and then you take a left, okay? Take a left, and you go two books over, Job, Esther, and then the book of Nehemiah. So it's, it's very easy to find. And uh, I want to challenge you to, to keep reading that book um, as, as we're going through it. Begin to, to study the book yourself. Understand it in a greater way. In fact, last week, it's very easy to understand the book. Summarize it in one word. And that one word is? Not by, by God's grace. I mean, that's, that's, that's great, all right? But summarizing the book of Nehemiah in one word, it is rebuilding, rebuilding, rebuilding. We know that God wants to use this book not to solely acquire more information about the content, but to use this book to address a section of a wall in our own lives that needs to be rebuilt. We talked about that last week. I challenge you to pray, to ask God to show you what it is that he wants to work on. That's why the title of the series is this, Rebuilding Our Blank. Rebuilding Our Blank. You you fill in the blank. What section of the wall in your life needs to be Rebuilt. Do you know what it is? If you don't, that's okay. Keep asking. Maybe the Lord will show you today what it is. I shared about my own life. Deanna did a little bit this morning. In the broken place that we're in as a family and how timely this book is. I know that God's going to use it to help rebuild the, the brokenness in our own lives. Rebuilding always includes help. It does. I can't rebuild any section of the wall without assistance, and neither can you. You're not that strong enough. You're not that smart enough. We all need help. We need the body of Christ to come alongside us. And maybe the Lord's calling some of you to be Nehemiahs to someone else to help them in the broken places of their lives. In fact, you can summarize the book, chapter 1 of Nehemiah. Nehemiah what? Cared. He cared. He asked the question, What's happening? 
He cared enough to, to ask that in chapter 1. The response was, the walls are broken down in Jerusalem. The people are in, dis, in great distress. And he cared enough to weep. He cried for people he didn't even know. He cared enough to pray. And it was an incredible prayer. We, we read it last week. And then finally, he cared enough to volunteer. Chapter verse, chapter 1, verse 11. The last verse in the chapter. Nehemiah closed and said, Lord, here am I, send someone else. Is that how it went? No. Here am I, send me. Lord, if you're in this, God had started to put a stirring in Nehemiah's heart to go and help. Then give me favor with the king, for he was the cupbearer to the king. His main major responsibility was to test taste the wine. And if it was poison wine, he would fall over. I don't know how long the king waited when Nehemiah took a, a drink of wine. How, I, you know, was it like five seconds or ten seconds? But he would then give the wine to, to the king. And it was a position of great influence. And by the tone of the conversation as we read the second chapter, Nehemiah had a good relationship with the king. The king genuinely liked him because he tenderly speaks to him. So if Nehemiah 1 is about care, then chapter 2 verses 1 through 9 is about Nehemiah's faith. If we're going to rebuild, it's going to take faith because rebuilding is hard. There, there isn't anything easy about rebuilding. There's two aspects of faith that I want you to see in these verses as we read them today. By the way, this is you know, a, a picture of what it could have looked like in Nehemiah when Jerusalem, its walls and gates were broken down and burned. And 52, 52 days later when Nehemiah shows up and, and helps lead the way, it may have looked like that. But he had faith to wait. In the month of Nisan, I underline that. We're going to come back to that. In the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was brought for him, I took the wine, and obviously he tasted it, and he gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before. So the king asked me, why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid. But I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? It may have looked like that.
so he waited. And then he had the faith to ask, verse 4 through 9. That's not verse 4, so I'm going to read it. The king said to me, what is it that you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven, and, and I answered the king, if it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send me to the city in Judah, where my ancestors are buried, so that I can rebuild it. Then the king, with the queen sitting beside him, asked me, how long will your journey take? And when will you get back to me? It pleased the king to send me, so I set a time. I also said to him, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the province of the governors, the trans-Euphrates right here, so that they will provide me safe conduct until I arrive in Judah. Verse 8, it's up on the screen. And may I also have a letter to Asaph, keeper of the royal park, So he will give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence that I will occupy. And because the gracious hand of my God was on me, the king granted all my requests. So I went to the governors of the trans-Euphrates and I gave them the king's letters. The king also sent army officers the cavalry with me. Let's pray before I share what's on my heart. Lord, I ask that that you would use this word in our lives today. That you would stir faith. Faith to wait on you. Faith to keep asking you. Show us where in our lives that we're to do that, God. Holy Spirit, have your way now. The remaining minutes that we have together, Lord, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. For enjoyment, I I like to read history books. I'm somewhat of a novice in my historical knowledge, but I find it enjoyable and, and relaxing. You're not going to believe what I'm reading now. You're going to think, you're, going to, you're probably going to roll your eyes and you're going to think, this, he's, he's fallen off his rocker. I can't believe he's actually reading some boring history back in the late 1600s. Reading about a guy that's name is Peter the Great. Anybody hear of him before? He's not like a football player or anything like that. <laughs> he was a, a, a czar, a czar of Russia. And you're saying, well, what's that? It's just like a king. It's like a king. And I, I didn't know a lot about Russian history, but I heard a little bit about Peter the Great. So I wanted to, to read a little bit about this guy. He's It's a fascinating study, very intriguing person. You've heard of Ivan the Terrible. He was one of those czars as well. But Peter the Great was probably the greatest of all czars. 
And he reminded me just a little bit, just a little bit, because he wasn't a very nice man. Not hardly at all. And I won't get into all of that. But he reminded me a little bit of one aspect of the leadership of Nehemiah. Just, just one thing. And there's lots of stories to tell about this guy. As a boy, he loved to play with his army figurines right there with the fire beside him. And he would, he would have wars. And then when he became a teenager, because he was the sovereign king of the greatest landmass on the planet, Russia, he decides what he wants to do is he gets 300 boys and young teenagers. And he does his own war, so to speak. He builds his own barracks around Russia somewhere. He builds barracks, real barracks. He eats the food that the regular soldiers would eat. He trains like regular soldiers. And he does this for weeks on end. They would go out in the rain, in the snow, in the cold, sleep in tents. Where was Peter at? He was right there with the soldiers. And then later on in history, when he is the general of a huge army, he worked his way up from the bottom all the way up to the top. He said, I want to be treated as a private. I'm going to be a private. I'm going to do what privates do. I'm going to eat what privates eat. And he worked his way all the way up. So at one point when the cannons were roaring in a sea just north of the Black Sea, a lake, forget the name of the lake, it's connected to the Black Sea, He's giving orders on one hand, but he's, he's firing cannon on the other. He loved the sea. There was only one port available in Russia. That was north, way up there. Archangel was the name of the city. And so what, is, what does Peter do? He makes his way all the way to the very northern part of Russia, when the port is only open a couple months a year, he's right there. He's helping them build ships. He wants to raise his own navy. He wants to build his own fleet. So he leads a, a group of people to Holland, ends up in the Netherlands, Amsterdam. He goes incognito. He says, I don't want anyone to know that I'm along on this trip. There's all kinds of ambassadors. I don't want anyone to know that Peter the Great is here. So he changes his name. He says, everybody on the team, you cannot call me the king. He wants to build ships. So he hires himself out to a shipbuilder. And he starts at the very bottom. He buys tools on a weekend. He goes in to work. 
No one knows who he is. He is the king of Russia. They don't know who he is. He's got a hatchet in, in his hand. Shaving the, the, the wood. He's making a boat. They figure it out later on. What does all of that mean? Well, for me, in Nehemiah, the sign of a good leader is that they wouldn't expect the people that they are leading to do something that they already that they all haven't already done themselves or wouldn't be willing to do. It's a sign of a good leader. What did Nehemiah say to the king? I'm going to send a dele- delegation to the brokenness of Jerusalem. I'm going to gather around me some great people. And I'm going to send them there. That's what I want to do, king. And then we're going to, we're going to have fast horses, couriers, and they're going to bring back to me the information. No. He said, I want to lead the delegation. I'm not just sending the delegation. I'm going to lead it. I'm asking that you would send me to Jerusalem. How far was Jerusalem? It was a long ways. He's in Susa, the modern day Iran. It's over 900 miles traveling up the Euphrates River. Takes two months to get there. And he was a leader who led the way. God might be calling you to be a Nehemiah to someone. To some project that is dear to his heart. That if you don't help, It won't happen. He had the faith to wait. Verses 1 through 3. I want you to go back to that verse again. I want you to see how it starts. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, that's chapter 2, verse 1. Go back to chapter 1, verse 1. How does that start? You have to look at it in your, your Bibles. It starts this way. In the month of Kislev. Kislev is November slash December in the Jewish calendar. Nisan is March slash April. There's a reason why the author tells us when certain things happen. The chapters open up the same way. Listen, we can jump ahead into our study, and when chapter 1 closes, Nehemiah says, Lord, hear my prayer. Give me success today. And we can assume that when we pray like Nehemiah prayed, that God hears our prayers, 
And that God will answer our prayers when? Today. God didn't answer Nehemiah's prayer on the day he prayed it. Even though Nehemiah said, today, today, God, give me success. Do you ever pray that prayer? I do all the time. God, today, I need you today to give me success. Nehemiah didn't know when God was going to answer his prayer. When was it? In the month of Nisan. Four months later. He fasted and he prayed and he poured out his heart to God. Today, Lord, is today the day? After 25 25 days, he said, enough is enough, right? I'm done praying. Have you ever got to that place in your prayer life? I have. Did he plan to be sad the day that he was sad in the king's presence? Look at it. It said, I had not been sad in his presence before. You didn't want to be sad in the king's presence. You could lose your job, but you could also lose your life. Your job wasn't to to bring the king's mood down. Your your job was to help lift his spirit. And he had never, ever been sad in the king's presence before. Did he wake up in the morning and say, God, I'm going to put on the sad face today. Maybe the king will ask me. No. He was so overwhelmed with the sadness in his heart for his people that when he went to work, He couldn't hide it any longer. Is there times when you're just real? You don't have the the happy face. Someone asks you how you're going, how how you're doing. You tell them, really, what's going on in your life? I mean, he went into the presence of the king and he, he was sad. And because he had such favor with the king, all of those months and years leading up to this grand time, he didn't know this is the way that God was going to answer his prayer. He thought he blew it. He had made a mistake. He was sad. Do you ever have a down day? Of course you do. Do you ever make mistakes and have failure in your life? Yes, God can use those things. He used Nehemiah's sadness, and the king said, this is nothing but sadness in your heart. What's going on? Tell me. Nehemiah did. God even uses our screw-ups and failures and mistakes. I think the Holy Spirit told him, now's the time. God's timing is always the best timing. I don't always like God's timing. In fact, most of the time, I don't. 
I'm not real keen on what he's trying to teach me. I would rather have God answer my prayer in my time according to my desires. Four months seems like a long time to wait. But what if it takes six months for you to hear anything from God? What if it takes over a year? Are you going to quit asking? That's really tough. It's easy for me to say today, wait on the Lord. But it's not so easy to live it out. I know. I'm living in one of those periods right now. I can stand up here and preach it. But Monday comes. And there's still no answer. What do you do? When tomorrow turns into tomorrow, it turns into tomorrow, and they're just stacking up. Stacking up. Four months, six months, one year. What do you do? You keep asking. You keep asking. And tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and the Holy Spirit's going to say, ask. He had the faith to ask. And then he was very wise and astute. He had incredible favor. And you can, you can read the text again. He asked for the moon, folks. <laughs> he was ready. Because he had prayed this prayer for months. And when the king said, what do you want? He said, I need letters, right? I don't want to get out there and come to some checkpoint and find out that they're not going to let me through. I need letters with your stamp, your seal on it. I need timber and materials. King, I need you to help finance this great project. And the king said, I'm going to give you all of that and more. I'm going to send an army with you the cavalry. Nehemiah was a man of faith. I want to close with the time of ministry real quick and ask Deanna and the team to come. I'm going to sing just a closing song. Waiting on God is not easy, is it? This is hard for me to say, but I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. We can be offended with God. I said it. Obviously, God's not the problem. To say that I'm offended with God doesn't sound too spiritual. You've probably thought, wow, How could a preacher say that? Because I struggle with it. It's a sin that needs forgiveness. 
And I struggle with it at times in my life. I have to admit that. Sometimes the offense that I carry in my heart, I cover it up with pretty good stuff, but it's directed at the one I love the most. You hear the statement, sometimes the people we love the most, we hurt the most. This week it was Offended at God. We pray and the heavens seem like brass. Have you been there? Keep asking and knocking and nothing happens. Friend, if you're not careful, that's where the seed of offense takes root. God, this is not working out the way I thought it would. I just confessed it, and the Lord forgave me. Isn't that the great thing about God? He forgives us. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. Please stand. I'm going to ask the music just to begin. Maybe what you think God wants to rebuild isn't. Maybe you, 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 you thought about this, and you think, I know exactly what part of the the wall that God wants to rebuild in my life. And friend, maybe that's not it. See, I had all these ideas about the walls that the Lord would rebuild in my own life. I think it starts first with your heart. Maybe he wants to rebuild your heart. Your broken and offended heart. And the healing can start right now. If you let him rebuild and heal your heart, maybe all those other gates and walls that he'll start to just build them. But it starts with your heart. And so during the song, if you need to confess any sin of offense that you're carrying, just say, Lord, I'm wrong. Will you forgive and restore me? Lord, I ask now in Jesus' name that by your spirit you would You would just keep moving, Lord. We welcome you here, Jesus. Rebuild our hearts today. Hard hearts. Calloused hearts. Do a work now. We need you, Jesus. Every hour, we need you here.